And welcome back to Bar Down Breakdown. I'm your host, Mikey Ryan, live from the Hive, joined by my boy, Tommy V, from the land of Disney. Tommy, what is good? What's going on, everyone? Glad to be back with you. Really super pumped for this interview that we got coming up. Um, with, with, I mean, like it's kind of wild that I'm going to be saying this, but with Cone, the bass player of some 41. I mean, like, what the hell did we get ourselves into, Michael? <laughs> Dude, if I, I said this when we were talking about Chuck from Simple Plan, but like, if I would have told eighth or ninth grade Mikey Ryan that one day I'd be like having an hour long conversation with one of my favorite bands, like, I would have been like, shut up, you're a loser, you're a liar. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. But it happened, and yeah. it was awesome. So, oh, right, yeah. So special. Excellent. And um, so before we, uh, you know, we, we introduce our interview and get right to that, um, you know, a couple of cool, you know, little things to talk about. So um, obviously news has broken that, uh, you know, Vegas is out. Uh, Vegas is out as, uh, you know, as, as the site there. And, uh, you know, we were talking about it for a long time. I think Vegas was going to be the, the Eastern, where the Eastern was going to be, right? Yep. And, uh, so now Vegas is out and, uh, what are they saying now? It's, it's looking like Toronto. Mm -hmm. So, uh, kind of crazy, man. Um, you know, I guess obviously the more they looked at it, the more they realized it wasn't really the best place to do it. Um, but obviously, you know, we're, kind of running into some wild things. I mean, you know, the we're on the precipice of everything's starting back up. And I mean, truthfully, we really still don't know if they're going to pull the plug on all this. Uh, you know, I'm sure they're carefully monitoring everything. But I mean, you know, in life, things are starting to happen. That's a little weird again. Like in Florida, uh, you know, they're starting to close down beaches. You know, I mean, they were open for a while and they're starting to close them down. So, I mean, I don't know if that's an indicator of, you know, if we're going to be going back to large scale uh, you know, quarantines, but, uh, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing, but, uh, what's, uh, you know, what's your opinion on the whole switch over and then doing Toronto? I mean, keeping everything in Canada, essentially, what's your opinion? Yeah. Every, everything's going to be, it looks like in Canada, which I think it might be best. So think about this. Let's say your team goes on a deep, deep playoff run where sure. we're talking like you're in the Eastern Conference Finals or even the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm -hmm. If everything goes as planned, like, and say, like, the series are short and not a lot of series go to seven games, it's still well, well over a month long. Sure. And that's a lot to ask of players, like, to be in a bubble away from your families for literally over a month. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Where, you know, I, I think I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, Matt Martin's due to be a father any day now, if not already. Like, can you imagine your first child is born and you can't even be there for it because of yeah, a sport? Like, terrible, man. It's not like you're off fighting in a war. Like, it's a sport. It's entertainment. Like, mm -hmm. you shouldn't have to make sacrifices like that. Absolutely. I, and I, I agree. Just, just to make your owners and the league money it's you know and and matt martin's 
contract expires at the end of the season. So if I was him, I would just be like, yeah, I'm not going to report. But yeah, I know, I, I mean, know they're and, not. And who could blame him? I know they're not wired like that, but mm-hmm. you know, why, why should he sacrifice so much for a team that's not willing to, to return the favor? Of course. Yeah, no. And, and it's, uh, it, like I said, it, it, you know, we talked about it on a couple of interviews past and, you know, just kind of wrapped about if we thought that this was really a good thing. And I mean, just the more and more we see cases, you know, rising after, you know, counties and states open up. I mean, it just, this seems to be a, a play by the owners organizations to try to recoup some of the money they've lost. And you're in essence, you're putting your talent who's making you all that money in danger. So, you know, if, the players, you know, end up all kind of banding together and, you know, they get their act together and they get with their, you know, their union reps and their players association reps and stuff. I mean, like if they find that this is all too dangerous, I mean, like we could see like another lockout where, you know, the, the, the players just won't go to bat, you know? And, and I mean, that would be a crazy thing. It would be a step in the wrong direction for hockey, but in terms of, you know, the player's safety and the safety of their families, maybe this is what needs to happen. Yeah, but you know, we're we're kind of just like talking about speculations at this point yeah. because, you know, we're just itching for hockey and, you know, there still sure. isn't anything set in stone yet, but yep, yep. Something cool that did come out from all these negotiations is that the players are trying to work in to the the new CBA contracts that um they could go and play in the winter Olympics. So, and in starting as early as 2022. Now, I don't know about you. I love international tournaments of for like for every sport, like soccer, um, baseball, when baseball was doing those, like I just really, really enjoy watching them. And it, it gives me a sense of like national pride. And the the last Winter Olympics where we did send NHL players, I was mm-hmm. still living in, in Troy, New York, and our good mutual friend came up to visit. And I remember, you know, you know, going out to like a bar restaurant and staying like for pretty much, you know, five or six hours just watching all the hockey games. And that's the one where TJ Oshie was in the, the shootout. And oh, yeah. they just kept sending him out like <laughs> which I've never seen before. Like they just kept sending them and sending them and sending them for the shootout. And that was just so much fun. And the whole restaurant was just totally glued to the television and cheering along. And you don't get that really for any other hockey game. Like, you know, most of those people in that bar at that time, could give two craps about hockey, but you know, you throw USA on the front of the jersey and all of a sudden they care again. Absolutely. So, you know, I think it did a disservice to the game of hockey when we didn't send our superstars to this last Olympics. And mm-hmm. I'm all for it. So, you know, if if that comes from all these negotiations, then by all means, let's do it. Absolutely, man. And I mean you know, to be honest, you know, Olympic hockey is, you know, much better when, you know, 
all of the superstars can play and we can have a little bit more balance going on. You know, I mean, granted it was the exact opposite. The, uh, you know, the year, what was it? 92. I forget what year it was when the NBA just decided they were going to allow <laughs> all of their superstars to play. And then like, literally they had the most stacked team in the history of sports. But, um, you know, it is, <coughs> excuse me. It is cool to, uh, get to see, you know, these teams that are wildly passionate about where they came from represent their, uh, you know, their countries, obviously, you know, you, you look at OV in Russia and you look at, you know, all these Canadian guys, all these American guys, you know, Sweden, Finland, you know, the, you know, Slovakia and like all these places. It's, uh, you know, it's an awesome addendum. I hope it ends up you know, coming through and working. Cause I would love to see, uh, you know, NHL players be able to have that opportunity again. I'm going to put you on the spot. Don't Google it. Can you name one single player from team USA's last Olympic hockey team? Like the, the non NHL team. Yep. Uh, let me think of the most American name I could think of and maybe <laughs> I'll get it right. Uh, let's say. My, Michael. Johnson man I, am I close so I I couldn't even tell you but <laughs> the only one I knew was Chris Bork and he's you know obviously Ray Bork's son and okay. he he was playing for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers at the time oh man okay but that he was like the superstar of the team he might have even even been the captain really yeah so like oh, wow. that's that's how like kind of pathetic that last uh, you know winter olympic was and yeah sure absolutely i i just hope that you know this goes through and we can get that back um i couldn't even tell you where the next winter olympic is but usually it falls over my like winter recess and i get to watch okay. a little bit of it so yeah there you go i'm all for it but yeah enough we'll of see. enough of this <laughs> speculation and and just daydreaming like we legit have an icon on 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 the pod and I'm over the moon about it. Like some 41 is so freaking dope. I respect the hell out of them. And if it wasn't for bands like them and we, we said the same thing to Chuck from Simple Plan, like who knows if we would have been so invested in this genre of music like they were the gateway drug. And I say that in the interview, they really were. and like. Then it led to my love of the drive-through record bands, and yeah. it, it just spiraled from them. And oh, absolutely. you know, it, it's just truly, truly special that we got to talk with Cone. Mm -hmm. And I guess we could just get right to it. So here's our interview with Cone from Sum Forty One. Enjoy. I'm 
And we're back in the box with our boy, Cone of Some 41. Cone, man, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Good, good. Can't really complain. I, I really uh, appreciate you coming on. Like, this is truly, truly so special for Tom and I because Some 41's kind of, I, I, I guess, in the pop punk world, like a gateway drug. Like, you guys were so important in our lives, like getting us out of like the top 40 music kind of scene and yeah, yeah. kind of get it into the alternative music world when, you know, we, we were in high school. So like, you know, obviously with all like those teen movies and like you guys and like MTV still being a thing and, and even fuse, like it was so important to, to hear you guys and to see that you guys are still staying true to yourselves and like, true to some 41 all these years later is just like a true testament that you guys like get it oh wow well thanks yeah i mean what what year we get what year you guys we we were born so uh tom and i both born in 87 okay okay yeah yeah. so yeah that would have been i mean i guess when our first album came out was 2000 and you guys would have been what like 13 we were yeah eighth grade okay yeah yeah okay well cool yeah, remember remember Fuse? Is Fuse still around? Because that 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 channel was really good. I I liked Fuse a lot. Yeah, I don't so think... like Fuse is I guess still around. Uh, but like the iteration of Fuse that existed like back when we're thinking of it, when it was like you know music videos and like Steven's Untitled Rock Show and like all that great stuff that really um was big in the alternative world. I mean that's all gone. You know, obviously it's, okay. now it's all like crappy reality shows and all that kind of stupid stuff. They kind of fell into the, the same yeah. heap that MTV and VH1 did, which is a bummer, but, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, for me, uh, MTV two and fuse were like the, the were, were it because I mean, like you could get to see all the cool alternative and pop punk and punk and emo stuff. Um, you know, that like MTV really wasn't willing to play or if they did, they played until like three in the morning. But at least Fuse was there uh, to give us that kind of that feel for it. But like, you know, obviously, you know, uh, my e- even though I, I went back to you guys for half hour power, which is which is awesome. Yeah. You know, all killer, no filler was my introduction to you guys. And of course, yeah, you know, fat lip and pain for pleasure and all that stuff, man, was just like cutting edge for me because you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm 13, man. You know, I think I like got like that. Ra- I don't know. Do you remember what Random House was? Do you remember that? Like. Where uh, like you could like get it, like a compilation type thing. Yeah. So like what it was was like you could get CDs. I'll, I'll I'll be real brief with this, but this is just a great story. So the way it worked is like you essentially you could get like free CDs if you agreed to pay for like two or three CDs at like the club price, which was like twenty four ninety nine. Oh, but yeah. now like like mind you, like this is back like you know before like security increased and everything it was probably like you know nineteen ninety nine two thousand. So what I did was like. I literally like stole my mom's name and like signed up under like six <laughs> different names. So I could get all these free CDs and I got all these like free CDs. And it was just like anything that I could think of. It was like Savage Garden and Chumbawamba and like Sugar Ray and like, all this crazy stuff. And, uh, you know, my mom ended up having to foot the bill. It was like $300 at the end of the day. And I remember she like, she took my boom box away and it was kind of crazy, but, um, you know, yeah. that was like my first foray into music. But then when I started getting into, like alternative and punk, like between Blink and Green Day and you guys, man, it was like that was the first real like toe that I dipped into it. And from there, like, dude, it was a skyrocket. So, you know, I really have you guys to thank for 
introducing me to like the world of punk rock and stuff. So oh, totally amazing. awesome, man. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, we we had so we had we had stuff like that up in Canada. That whole membership thing. I remember my parents were kind of a part of something like that, and that's actually the first time. I remember getting um, Dr. Feelgood by Motley Crue oh, sick, when, I, man. when I was really young. Like, and I, I don't think I even knew. I remember going through my mom being like, well, you get to pick like six albums. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I was, I, I'd look through and not really know a lot of them at like eight years old or nine years yeah, old. Of course, of course. Um, and then I remember picking Dr. Feelgood because of the way they looked. Um, just and the album cover, I think it's like the green album cover and just the way they dressed. I was like, well, I'll try this one out. And I think it was that was the same for Hysteria by Def Leppard, too. Like, I just kind of liked the colors on the album cover. And I was like, oh, I'll just try this one out. There you and go. Uh, I got introduced to a lot of stuff with that kind of stuff with that membership program as well. Sweet. So those are good. I, I obviously they don't exist anymore, but no, they no, were, no they, way. <laughs> they, I think I think a lot of people were doing that. That was a good thing back then. I agree. Totally. Now, yeah. did you see the the Motley Crue um like biopic that was on Netflix, uh, you know, I think maybe a year ago now with like Machine Gun Kelly playing Tommy Lee? I did. Yeah, The Dirt. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good for like those because obviously there's been so many of those music biopics lately. I I thought yeah. that was, you know, it was fun. It was it was kind of, you know, just showing the chaos of Motley Crue. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you know, we've toured with Motley Crue before, um, so yeah, a lot of those, like when I was watching it, I was like, because when we were touring with Motley Crue, it was two thousand five, so you know, a lot of it was already done with. Yeah, um, like Nikki was sober by that point, and mm-hmm. Mick had, you know, was really in his disease as, like, he was barely walking on that tour yeah and yeah. uh you know and, and vince was kind of keeping to himself he was drinking a little bit he he owned a winery at the time but uh tommy <laughs> he was still he was still partying pretty hard on that tour when we were on it um so when i was watching that movie i was just like trying to count the years of how many years tommy has been going hard for <laughs> <laughs> and i think it's you know it's got it what is he like he's got to be late 50s now oh definitely Easy. yeah oh for sure um so yeah i think he's been going hard for quite a long time i mean and he's just the nicest guy as well like he's he's a fun party like you know to to hang out with him and drink and be in his room after the shows like he is a fun guy he's not i mean i I never saw like an angry drunk with tommy at all he was always just having a good time he called this place tommy land and uh and you just go to tommy land after the show and it was always a good time I, I I'm scared of that place. I don't think I'd go there. <laughs> well, the thing about Tommy Land too is you don't really speak because the music is so loud. Like he <laughs> he has like gigantic speakers that get brought into his dressing room, and then he just plays it on stun for you know hours. And you kind of just you kind of just look at each other and nod and smile and drink. And <laughs> Bro, you know the, cra- the crazy thing about that is, man. Like so, I am obviously you know, born in '87. I'm 33 years old at this point and like i like i can barely like drink three or four beers before like you know having like a stomach ache or some stupid something and it makes me feel like like yeah. i'm so such a wimp and then i think of like a dude like like tommy who like has been like partying like into his 50s and can just like go and like knock down like a handle of whiskey and like be none worse the wear and it just like makes me feel like 
so little of a human being next to him. Dude, I, yeah. I, I couldn't even tell you. Well, I got to say, like, I remember, like, for that tour, because it was, it was a month long, I did see some pretty rough days where, you know, <laughs> he, did, he didn't show up till, like, an hour before the show, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that he was sleeping all day. And, you know, I, I, that's, we've all been through that, you know, where it's, mm-hmm. you party hard and you got to sleep all day. And that, that, that was happening quite a bit. And I remember even Derek was kind of staying on his bus once in a while. And Derek would, yeah. Derek would show up in rough shape, too. I'd be like, oh, you stayed on Tommy's bus last night. <laughs> okay. Oh, you went to Tommy land, I see. You're in Tommy land, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah. Now, Cone, um, I, you know, this is a hockey and music podcast. So we, we've kind of talked about um, some of the beginning of, of some 41. Um, I do want to talk about some of your upbringing in Canada as a hockey fan. So, yeah. you know, I, I sometimes just make the assumption, like, because I was born in the United States that like everyone in Canada loves hockey. And I guess for the most part, that is kind of true, but it's not always the case, but in your case it is. So growing up in the Toronto area, like when were you introduced to, to hockey and like, was it like a family thing that was passed down? Uh, not really. My parents weren't really athletic. They weren't really into sports. My friends always were my, my parents, like, I, I, I can't skate. Like even to this day, I can't skate. Um, and a lot of people think that's crazy cause I'm from Canada, but my parents never got me into hockey and they never brought me to an ice rink and showed me how to skate. And my dad can't skate. My mom can't skate. Um, my friends always played hockey. I never played hockey, but I think my first introduction into hockey was about when I was about six years old my grandfather was a a stockbroker and he worked at the same firm as Wayne Gretzky's ex-wife I think is how this would have been in 1986 and and I still have so I so my grandfather for my sixth birthday brought me a Wayne Gretzky autograph stick for my birthday Damn. Um, and it's a, it's an old like wood Titan stick and I still have it. It's in my closet right now. Um, and it just said, uh, to Jason, my real name, uh, best of luck, your friend, Wayne Gretzky. And I was like, and I didn't really know who he was, <laughs> but I thought it was the coolest thing that I got this like huge hockey stick with, you know, this apparently, apparently a big hockey player sign signing on it. And, and I was kind of like, and then I started getting into hockey more Then I started watching it more. And uh, then I realized how obviously huge Wayne Gretzky was and how good he was. Then I started collecting cards. I was a big card collector. Um, and then I started, you know, trading cards with my friends. And, and then for some odd reason, um, I was, you know, I obviously would watch the Leafs, but I was for some reason really drawn to Detroit Red Wings. Um, for whatever reason, I really, really liked that young age Steve Eiserman. And I don't even know why, but I just did. And uh, so I was a big Red Wings fan um, throughout uh, my childhood. And funny enough, my babysitter's sister dated Keith Primo. And so he came over to my house. Yeah, because he was was from a town called Whitby. And that's where my babysitter was from at the time. And so and he ended up being a Red Wing, obviously. So that was even more like fuel to my fire to like love the Red Wings. Um, so I, and I remembered, I have pictures like my, my babysitter's sister bringing Keith Primo over to my house. I have pictures with him on my couch. And then I think I just fell more and more in love with hockey because I'm now I'm getting a stick. I got this guy who's, you know, 
place for the Red Wings coming to my house. And uh, so I think I just started really getting into hockey more and more when I was young. But the other thing was like, and I always wanted to play it. But as I got into like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old, 13 years old, I just, I felt like, you know, it's just too late for me. I can't even skate and there's no point to get into it. So I just was, you know, basically a fan from then on. Now there, there's so much I need to process from this because it's all so <laughs> great. But all these years later, when you ended up playing music with Darren, were you like, dude, why did you write a, a love ballad for Wayne Gretzky? <laughs> <laughs> he wrote a love ballad for Wayne Gretzky? Oh, my God, dude. It's on a Goldfinger record. What's it called? Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> okay, that's obvious. Uh, I didn't actually know that. I don't think I've heard that. Oh, it's 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 amazing. I, I talked with him about it for like five minutes. It's just a, such a silly, awesome song. I'll have to go check that out. I'll make a note of that. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's just and so Darren funny. wrote it. Darren wrote it. Yep. Okay. And John sings it. No. Oh, Darren sings it. Darren, I I believe it's Darren that sings it. Yeah. Oh, now now I really got to go hear it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it like sure enough made a Goldfinger record. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I gotta go check that out. That's just Goldfinger being so punk rock. They're like, "Fuck it." Yeah, we'll put a Wayne Gretzky song on our album. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And then obviously, you you mentioned growing up being a Red Wings fan. Have you? And I I ask all my Red Wings fans, uh, have you seen the documentary The Russian Five? No. Oh there, my I god. I didn't even know that existed. Okay, I'm gonna have to check that. Is that Netflix as well? It's either Netflix or Amazon Prime or like one of those streaming services. But holy okay. cow, like you realize the crazy shenanigans to get Sergei Fedorov here. OK, yeah, I, I knew I knew I've seen something about that. I've seen something about getting like how it took what it took to get the Russians over to, you know, America and stuff like that. But, you know, obviously that is that that movie's about, you know, the, that great line, right? Fedorov, yep. Konstantinov. Yep. Larionov. Yeah, OK. Yep, and it's just it's just like so crazy how they really turned the whole franchise around and like obviously, you know, years later they go and win all those cups and like Yeah. It, it's just really, really funny how like so during like um I guess that's like the the Olympic the peak of the Olympics and before the Olympics they would have these like friendly games and the Russians came over for one of those friendly games. And like okay. the GM, he basically um, came out and was like with a suitcase of money and just basically <laughs> told Fedorov he wasn't going back to Russia. <laughs> Good move. Yep. Yeah, yeah right. And that was a team, that Red Wing team. Like when you think of it, like, you know, I, I just finished watching that um, uh, that Chicago Bulls thing, you know, with have you seen that it's uh, oh, Jordan, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Michael Jordan thing. And yep. I. And that just this conversation is making me realize, I think, you know, the Red Wings were kind of in that realm, like how many cups they won. Oh, yeah. How, how good they were for so long. I think, wasn't it just like a year or two ago where they missed the playoffs? It was the first time they missed the playoffs in 20 years or 25 yep. years or something. Mm-hmm. Something like this. So, I mean, yeah. it's just crazy how good they were. For and so you know, long. you know, you know, the thing is that and like they the Red Wings, um, like unless you're like a big hockey fan, they they get lost in that 90s shuffle. Cause like, I know. you know, you think about, you know, how dominant the Bulls were. And then you think about like, you know, in, in baseball, how dominant like the Yankees were during that time. 
And, you know, like even, even when it comes to like, you know, the NFL, you think about that time, like, you know, how dominant really, I guess in the nineties, you you look at, you know, like the, the 49ers and the Packers and all this stuff. And like, you kind of, you, you, you kind of lose sight of really how great that Red Wings team was and how, you know, how just unbelievably smooth and how just well built they were. Um, Yeah. And 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 like, yeah. Right. And even though like hockey, you know, still in the nineties, hockey was still, you know, uh, a more prominent sport than, you know, unfortunately it is today, you know, obviously with it kind of losing a little bit of steam becoming sort of the alternative sport. But I mean, like the dude, the Red Wings were just like an un- unbelievable, you know, absolutely unbelievable team. And, and, and they, uh, yeah, they were a good team during like a real hockey time. I think yeah, that's a, like with like, with like tons of fighting still, you know, they yep. had Probert and you would always fight McSorley and, yep. you know, like all that stuff. It was like real hockey in the nineties. Absolutely. Um, still, yep. and, and and they were still like you know, and the, you know the the goalies, um, you know, wore not as bulky equipment as yep, they do yep. now, and you know they weren't people weren't as fast, and yep. but yeah, they were. Uh, man, what a team! It was so yeah, good. that nineties hockey hockey man just in general was just way more Smash Mouth man, and like I don't think you'll ever see like as as dominant of a player as, as you know, like Gretzky was in like the eighties and the nineties, like, you yeah. know, and like when you look at some of those players and like just how unbelievable they were, you know, guys like Messier and Brett Hall and you know Yager and Lemieux and like all these guys, like granted, yeah. you know, there are, there are players in the league now that are probably just, you know, that are probably just as good, if not better, but you're talking about completely different styles of hockey. Yeah. Like, but like, will you ever see a player who could score? And, and I mean, like, I don't remember what the, you know, what Gretzky's actual, um, you know, single season record was, but I mean, like, you know, over 150 points in a season, yeah. I mean, like you're never, I don't think you're ever going to see that again. No, I think there's a, there's a lot to that. I think it has to do with what I, I said before, like the goalie equipment is so big now. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's so much faster. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the pads that everyone wears, um, you know, and another thing is like, you, you know, you had guys like Probert, that that would protect your stars. You don't really yep. have that anymore. So, so you know, there's not there's not that protection anymore. So people can go after like Austin Matthews, and yep. and I see it because I because I watch the Leafs. I see it, and it makes me so angry that they don't go get someone that can look after these guys. Um, Agreed. You know, you need someone, not just like a goon, but like you know a Ryan Reeves or something. Sure, um, and, and a actually, guy that can play, but but you you're kind of scared to go after the star player because you got Ryan Reeves. Yeah, exactly. Now, it's funny that you brought up Austin Matthews because uh, obviously, you know, we were talking, uh, you know, off air, Mikey and I a little bit about, the, you know, the the uh, the whole issue with you know, Matthews, obviously, um, you know, testing positive. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, so just out of curiosity, just trying to get your your feedback on that. Obviously, you know, a lot of hockey fans are split. Uh, you know, everyone wants to see hockey come back, but a lot of people don't want to see it at the expense of you know, players getting sick and stuff. So, you know, like you, you have a, a position on that. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, I think it's going to be really tough to have these kind of sports. I think, I think what's going to happen in my opinion is they're going to start up and shut down because, <laughs> because how, how, like, how do you get all these guys in the locker room together? And, you know, when you celebrate a goal, are you allowed to even go up to the guy and give him yeah. the old hockey hug? Or do you have yeah, to just right? kind of like wink at him from across the rink and be like, <laughs> yeah, good shot, buddy. Yeah, um, right? Um, so I don't really know how, you know, and people are spitting on the bench all the time, spitting water out, you know, mm-hmm. it's, 
you know, Brad Marchard's uh, no. licked faces. Yeah. He's yes. some people on the neck and all that crap. Um, so like, yeah, I have a feeling that they might try it and it's going to go bad. And, you know, for musicians, like, you know, our band and every other band, we're not, we're not playing till next year. Yeah, of course. Like well, we yeah. are, I think the first thing that we're booked for now is like May of 2021. So I, you know, I know how big business sports is and, you know, the, the advertising and all this crap, but I think that you might just, they, they might just need to stop for a while, you know, and just, you just stop till this is over. Cause it's not getting any better. That's the thing. No, that's and, my opinion. And, you know, Vegas was in like, as a front runner f- to be one of the hub cities. And, you know, since the casinos have opened back up, Vegas is actually seeing a spike in their cases. So yeah. now the NHL is kind of scrambling to get another hub city. And it might actually be that Canada gets two with, I think Toronto might be one. And then I'm seeing that Edmonton might be the other one. Yeah. 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 I mean, Canada's doing a little bit better um in our cases but you know it could obviously it can go it can just go it'll go bad <laughs> again you know if, if cases start to you know people let up and you know it'll spread it'll spread again um so i don't know i think with sports the, the athletes are so close have to be so close to each other all the time i don't think it's going to work i don't think it's going to work until there's a vaccine um and that's what you know that's what kind of musicians are saying for concerts too. It's like, you can't have concerts where that many people are tight, like that tight in a, in a concert venue or at a festival without a vaccine, without, you know, being immune to this virus or it's just going to spread and it's just going to go on forever. Now, did you see that one country artist that just like played a sold out show? Something rice. I think his name was. I, uh, no, I just saw a photo, I think maybe on Instagram or something like that. But uh, yeah, that's that's I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So his name is Chase Rice. Like as okay. as a fellow musician, like that must piss you off. It's like, dude, like we want to be out playing shows just as bad as you. And yeah, you're you're wasn't ruining it driving it though. Wasn't it a drive in show? If it was outside or not, like there's still I, I'm looking at the video. There's still thousands of people there. Like, so there's oh, I thought it, see there was oh maybe that was in Canada. There was someone that played like a drive-in show like people were in their cars oh no 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 this is like it looks like it's you know taken six months ago oh man that's that's just that's just shitty you know yeah that sucks that yeah. sucks i i know I, I didn't i didn't i didn't see that but that's that's just kind of that's just selfish it is and it, it's just like discrediting every like all the efforts all of us are trying to take to just try to you know, curve this thing. And it kind of makes it seem like we stayed home and we're practicing social distancing for nothing. If people are going to go out and do stuff like that. Well, yeah. And it gets people that are really trying hard to just throw up their hands and be like, ah, why bother? Why don't we, why don't we just live our life? You know, the people that are really trying are now just going to get discouraged because of people. Yeah. Yeah, It's just, it's just not a good thing, man. And, And, you know, like, obviously we're, you know, the, the, the music industry is, you know, one of those industries that, you know, obviously a lot of people are, you know, livelihoods are getting destroyed. A lot of people are losing a lot of money and, you know, creatively, a lot of people are, are not being able to do what they do. And it just like, kind of seems like someone jumping the gun is just going to set the industry back. And and that's really, that could be, couldn't be any further from what 
this industry needs because the whole idea is that music, you know, we, people play music to bring communities together. And like, yeah. you know, right now we just, you know, we can't be together because if we're together, we're going to keep spreading this disease and it's just going to keep getting bad. So it's just like, you just gotta, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, hold your feet to the ground for a little bit and just shuffle in place, which sucks, but you know, everyone's got to be on the same page to do it. So the fact that anyone is even trying to be out there and play, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, this whole thing sucks, obviously. Yeah. Every, everyone's over it. Like I'm over it. Of you course. know, I, yeah, I, I of course. I, I, no one wants to be sitting at home doing nothing, but yep, yep, the of reality of the situation is this can go on for another year or we can try and get it down to a couple months. If everyone yeah. just does this, you know, if, yep. you, if you just try and like half acid and just, tr- tr- you know, do these stupid things like this, yep. country it's doing, uh, yeah. then it's just going to keep, yeah, going to get worse and it's going to go on for, for a long time. And, and we'll just be going in circles for a long time. For sure. For sure. So um, just to, to kind of uh, jump, jump around a little bit. So yep. it's, it's really not every day that um, we have the, the pleasure of speaking with someone who got to collaborate with uh, the infamous Iggy Pop. So, oh yeah, um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. So, you know, obviously in 03, I know, um, you know, some 41 uh, were able to collaborate, you know, with him on, on that record that he had put out. Um, what was that experience like, man? I just, I just want to hear a little bit about it. Yeah. It, it, really cool. I, we got out of the blue. Um, we got a call from our manager and he's, he said, Iggy's interested in doing a song with you guys. And it was, you know, kind of shocking yeah uh, super out of the blue and uh so next thing i knew derek and him were on the phone talking about uh you know you know what style and which direction uh he wanted to go in and mm-hmm. the way derek says is like as soon as he got off the phone with iggy he started writing that riff like yeah yeah and uh and then i think he just sent them that riff just be like it's something like this and he's like oh yeah yeah more of that more of that oh, that's awesome and, and then so derek just kind of kept going on that and then and then we just went into this like it was happened pretty fast and um we ended up being in la at the same time we went to the studio together for two two days and that was the first time we actually met him and he it was, it was really strange because he's i you know i wasn't i don't think i was expecting him to be so humble um, you know, you hear a lot of crazy wild stories about him. You just, you don't know what to expect, even though he's, you know, he's grown up and he was in his fifties at the time. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he came in and he just kind of like sat on the floor <laughs> and we were all sitting on couches and we were like, Oh, you want to see? He's like, no, 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 no. He sits on the floor, we start, <laughs> chat, start chatting for a while. And then we just start recording. And, um, he was really into hearing what we wanted to do. Like he was, um, I, I, you know, he was, you know, wanted to, it to be Iggy, but I think he really wanted it to be some 41 as well. And he was really listening and trying to take in what we were all about. Um, so he wanted to make it, you know, a real collaboration. And so, you know, after two days, the song was done. And then from then on, we, uh, we got to play like, you know, at award show, we were like basically his backing band for the next year, year and a half. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Yeah. Like we would play, we played at the, um mtv latin music awards we played that song with lust for life and we did a toronto uh, award show he came up to toronto we did little know-it-all up up in toronto and he got he was you know he's get he was getting these little awards at the time like you know we mm-hmm. flew down to miami because he was getting presented with some lifetime achievement award he's like he asked is like come down to miami and play with me in miami or like yeah fuck why not and yeah. uh 
And uh, so, yeah, we just spent, we ended up spending a lot of time with them. You know, we did the music video. And so for about a year, year and a half, we were seeing them every couple months. And, you know, I I still talk to them twice a year now. And it's been, you know, almost, you know, it's been 17 years since we did that. So we check in with each other, you know, twice a year, three times a year. Um, So, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely that song, that collaboration is probably up there as my favorite collaboration we've ever done. That's uh, awesome. That he's just he's just so cool. And, you know, his wife, Nina, is super cool as well. And, uh, you know, we just got along really well. And he's and just I, I learned so much from him because, you know, watching a guy like that perform for one is like he's probably he's got to be up there in the best top five performers of all time. Oh, absolutely. He, he's yeah. just insane. Like what how he performs, how he like grabs a crowd by the mm-hmm. nuts. And just swings them around you know it's like i I had never seen anything like that live yeah his energy yeah and we are the band and so i'm watching him and i'm i'm in the band as he's doing this and i was like this fucking guy is insane dude and and the the other thing that's kind of wild to hear about that is so you know uh, hearing that you were you know kind of playing as as his backing band for for so long and i mean you know so that was what 2003 so i mean right kind of smack in the middle of that i mean you guys were we're writing and then touring on Chuck. So like, how did you, how, like, how were you guys able to like kind of manage, like, like playing with Iggy and being, you know, in some 41, especially like, I mean, obviously, you know, killer, you know, all killer, no filler. And, and, you know, then the, the next album coming up after that, and then Chuck, I mean, like you guys were pretty much like, uh, like on top of the world at that point. So like, how did, how were you able to, to kind of manage doing all that at once? Those times, those times in our career, those that 2001 to 2005 were probably the busiest times of our lives. Yeah, um, right. It was, a, it was a lot of like, um, over, you're here, you're there, you're over, you're getting pushed and pulled in every which way. We were rarely home. Um, so you know, 2003 when we did that song, because of Does Look Infected came out in 2002. Yeah. Um, we were kind of on the heels of that album. Um, so we had a little bit of like a gap between Does Look Infected and Chuck, where we were kind of you know, we'd go home and write a little bit and demo mm-hmm. some stuff. So, and, and that's when the Iggy stuff was kind of happening. Um, and even into Chuck, I think we were doing a couple more Iggy things at the beginning of Chuck, just that, as they were popping up. So yeah, that, that was a very hectic time for us. We were, you know, we were, like I said, we were rarely home and uh, <laughs> we were just everywhere all the time. Well, you guys really were everywhere. Like, you know, we already mentioned how, you were all over like MTV and Fuse, but you guys are also on the American Pie 2 soundtrack. You were in <laughs> NHL 02 soundtrack, like, you know, right there. Yeah. That, that's the crossover I want to talk about. Like yeah. when hockey and music collide like that and, you know, how, how did that come about? How did you guys get to to not only be on the soundtrack, but it seems like that was like the main song for that one NHL 02. Yeah, a couple uh, around that time when Fat Lip and Into Deep were coming out, we were getting approached quite a bit with these like more like teen teen movies. Um, yeah, I think Bring It On, we were on in that. Spider Man, we did that song. Um, so yeah, things were just kind of popping up because I guess we were kind of like the hot new teen band. Like we weren't even teens, but the, you know, teen teen p- people liked our band. So I think we were. Um, you know, a, a choice for these movies uh, for us to be in. And 
Yeah, we even got approached. <laughs> I, I like telling this story because it's kind of funny because I love the movie and I'm kind of pissed off we did it, but kind of glad we didn't at the same time. We got approached to do Zoolander. Um, <laughs> and I love Zoolander. Yeah. And I remember being in New York City and they brought us into a movie theater and um, it was a private theater. So it was just the band and uh, like us and our manager. We went and watched before Zoolander came out and they said, okay, when, when the section comes, or they're at the gas station and they're, you know, firing the, the gas hoses at each other. And we want you guys to do a, you know, a pop punk version, some 41 version of Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. And so the thing is, I was so hung over that day. I fell asleep <laughs> halfway through the movie. I didn't even finish the movie. So I remember waking up and I was like, and, and all the other guys in the band were like, oh yeah, that was a funny movie. And, and I was like, oh yeah, it was funny. Okay, cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess I'll see it when it comes out. But I remember, like, you know, our manager and the other guys in the band were kind of like, you know, talking to the guy. And he's that we were just kind of like, well, we think the, the Wham version suits it way better. You know, if you're going to do a version of a Sum 41 version of that, I don't think it's going to go with the scene as well. And uh, so we declined. And it's one of those things where it's like, a, fuck, I w- I, that would have been amazing to be in Zoolander. But kind of happy that we actually told them to just go with the original because the original does suit it way better. Um, so yeah, it could have been, it could have been us in that part. <laughs> Unbelievable. You don't yeah. really hear of, of bands turning things down too often, like, especially with opportunities like that. And it you... could have changed the whole scene. You know, that whole scene would have like been a whole different vibe. I think if we would have take, taken that part. Unbelievable. Now, <laughs> what about the NHL 2 soundtrack? How did you guys yeah. get approached for that? Yeah. So th- um, we were at the time we were managed by uh, a company called Network, and they also, I think, they had something to do with EA Games, and and that's that's why we were in a lot of those uh, sports uh, video games back then, you know, and, and even like Tom, who's you know singer for Gob, Gob was in those, um, you know, so you know we were just we were lucky because we were managed by the people who did a lot of the music and had. I, I like a little hand in EA games, EA sports or whatever. So I think that's why we turned up in a lot of those Tony Hawks and NHLs. And I don't know if we we're in basketball or football games or whatever, but um, I think that was a big little, that was the connection there. Awesome. Now I, I asked this question for like all the guests that have made their way onto these soundtracks, like all these years later, have you had like fans come up to you and be like, Man, I'm a huge Sum 41 fan because of NHL 02. <laughs> uh, a little bit of that, but mostly, mostly, honestly, uh, American Pie gets talked about a lot, and uh, Tony Hawk. Yep, it, it's funny that you, you you talk about Tony Hawk. I I just um made like some stupid Facebook post uh, the other day talking about uh, No Cigar by Mill and Colin and oh, yeah. how like trying to see like how many of my friends like hear that like countdown beep like right as mill like as no cigar goes into like its last chorus yeah and like everyone's like yeah i, I like i can't listen to that song without hearing it and it's like the same thing of you know with like uh with may 16th and with like you know by lag wagon and like all that yeah. stuff where it's just like that was like some of the some of the stuff that like got me into punk rock like to be honest with you like you know like like i said like you know i was kind of you know, when I was younger, like I was listening to like all this nonsense that like I could, you know, what was on MTV and all this stuff, you know, anything I can get my hands on. And then, um, you know, like I got into 
you know, bands like Blake and, and Green Day and like, you know, you guys and the offspring. And then, yeah. uh, you know, Tony Hawk came around and I was like, oh my God, there's all this other great music. And like, you know, I remember like that was my first exposure to like, um, you know, I, I, Rage Against Machine was like on that and uh, yeah. Power Man 5000, like all these crazy <laughs> alternative bands. But um, it really those, isn't, it's an eye opener. It is, it totally yeah. is. And those are cool ways to discover bands, I think, rather than just the radio or yeah. um, stuff like that. You know, uh, like the, our band, we discovered bands like Iron Maiden through skate, skate, uh, skate videos. Yeah, you know? yeah, right. And, yeah. You know, and, and actually, it was like Steve and Derek, previous to me, that discovered it. You know, they were watching all these skate videos. And then when I joined the band, um, they were, you know, we'd watch them in the van on the way to shows and they were like, yeah, you got to check out that. And it was weird because, you know, you get a lot of like no effects, Pennywise, bad religion. Yep. And yeah. then, and all of a sudden Iron Maiden would come on <laughs> It's like mm-hmm. such a weird thing. And, and that's kind of the discovery. And that's, I, I always look back and just be like, I'm glad it, you know, discovered bands like that through a skate video or, you know, like through, you know, how you did like through video games rather yeah, than, exactly. rather than just like the mainstream radio. I think it's a much cooler way of discovering stuff. Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. So, um, I'm, uh, you know, another question of curiosity, and I'm sure you've probably been asked this question hundreds of times, and I'm sorry if, if it's going to bore you, but okay. um, Hell Song, man. I, I like that that music video. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, you know, who, who came up with that idea? And, like, what, like, uh, how, how many hoops did you guys <laughs> have to go through to get, like, all of those? like the likenesses and all those figures, like essentially like given the green light, like how, how did that have to happen? Yeah. I, I think the idea was, I want to say it was the, we were doing a lot of videos with uh, Mark Klasfeld. I think he did most of our videos up until that okay. point. Um, and I think it was probably his idea um, to do that video. But yeah, I think our, what had had to happen was, the lawyers from our label were basically working overtime. They, we had to get everyone in that video yeah. to prove their action figure. I can um, imagine. That's crazy. Man. So, uh, yeah, I think they were just basically working overtime, trying to get approvals on everyone. And, you know, people did say no. Uh, Michael Jackson, I don't think he's in it. I think he, he definitely said no. I, th- <laughs> I, I, always, I always get confused with Eminem because I, I feel like Eminem did say no. But then someone told me that Eminem was, I'd have to go see the video again. But I think Eminem is <laughs> fine, too. Um, so there was people that just didn't want their action figure in our in our video. You know, luckily Jesus, he wanted to be in it. George he was Bush, cool with it. Yeah, George that's... Bush. You know, George Bush wanted to be in it, <laughs> even though we hated him at the. You know, so, right. You know, but like, like the funny thing was, these people didn't even know how we were going to depict them, <laughs> and they just yeah, right. They just said, you know, it is. It's like it's free promo. You're going to be in this music video that <laughs> could quite possibly be on MTV. Dude, free um, promo for Jesus, man. It's free promo for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, before we kind of fast forward, I do have one more like blast from a past question. What was it like losing to Nickelback two times <laughs> in a row for the Juno Awards? Yeah, they were a nemesis for us back then, you know, and the thing, you know, obviously they took a lot of heat for, you know, what they do and what they sound like but you know mm-hmm. back then we were, we were friends with those guys and we always had a good time we we got drunk with them on many occasions and uh yeah it was just always kind of one of those things where they if they were up for an award in canada especially they were gonna win <laughs> so it's like but you know we back then 
and especially you know even now it's we didn't really give a shit about awards um it was fun to go to those award shows back when we were in our early 20s because it was you know open bar and you get to meet people you go to after parties but almost we we would sit there in the audience most of the time and just be like please don't win please don't win please because <laughs> we didn't want to have to go up and like speak you know, so it was it was fine for us not to win. All right, I, I thought we were gonna have some like bad blood stories between you and Nickelback, but nice and civil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, 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 you know, they like I said, they take for some odd reason. You know, people dislike. You know, the thing is, people say like they hate Nickelback, they hate Nickelback, but it's like they played arenas sold out and they've sold millions of records. Lots of people like Nickelback, um, but. You know, obviously, I, I, I've never really listened to them all that much. But after meeting them, I, I just realized I'm like, these guys are fucking cool. I don't care. You know, I don't really care what they sound like. I, I like the guys. I respect that. I respect that for sure. So I guess um, to continue with the, the crossover, um, back in 2016, you guys got to play the Heritage Classic. So was that like a dream come come true for you know, a, a young hockey fan from Canada. Yeah, I think I probably appreciated that the most. <laughs> no one else, you know, Derek could care less about hockey and he likes basketball, but you know, he, uh, yeah, he, he could care less about hockey. Uh, but I think, you know, most of the band liked the idea. Like we, they gave us a box and we got to sit, you know, but the thing about sitting in a box in a stadium, you can't see shit. So, you know, most of the time you're in this, luxurious box and you're watching the monitor anyway because <laughs> you, know? you, you can't see the you know the field is so far away um but yeah that was that was cool like stuff like that's always kind of cool for me anyway like the whenever i can um you know mix you know get to see hockey games you know i saw so on days off i'll try and get to hockey games in the states and in canada when i can um so yeah now since you guys are probably one of the the bigger bands that we've got to talk with um have like some nhl players reached out to you like hey i'm a huge sum 41 fan i'd love to come to a show uh the, this was the first time that happened was on the chuck album we were in actually in florida um and a canadian named chris dingman um who was he was played for the tampa bay lightning do you know you know who he is the name's not ringing a bell. I, I'm sure I'll look him up after and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember him. But he was he was a fighter. He was like basically a goon, but he was part of the championship team, um, I guess, in two, when it, when the Lightning won the Cup 2002 Four, or three. 2003, yeah, yeah. Four. Yeah, yeah, something, something like that. that. He, he was on that team. Um, so he came to the show and we, we became fast friends. So every time the Lightning came through, he was inviting me to, you know, games. I'd go to games. And then when we come through, he he was an Alberta guy, so we would he'd come to he came to when we came through with Motley Crue, he came to that show, um, so stuff like that. That was the biggest like kind of back and forth I ever really had with a hockey player. But I remember one night with Chris Dingman, we all went out with the Lightning after the game, and uh, and then we went ended up going to an after hours. So and we stayed out, and the, the goal at the time was Sean Burke, and so I went out with Chris Dingman. And Sean Burke, and I think one other guy. And Sean Burke was scheduled to play in net the next night. And we were out till, I think it was like six, seven in the morning. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching the game the next day, and they lost badly. 
Like it was like, uh, I think he got pulled in the second period or something. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh fuck, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> I I caused this. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, and he was he was he was kind of he was old. Like, I remember thinking at 24, like hanging out with Sean Burke, and I think he was like 40, and he was still in the league playing goal. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't think he could stay up till 7 a.m. and play goal the next day. No, that's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> not so good oh man well i have another one for you that you can add to the bank i was doing research and i came across this athletic article and your captain john Tavares, his first <laughs> concert ever was a sum 41 concert oh no shit really yep at, at uh it was 2008 at the general motors center in oshawa wow i remember that show Yep, so uh, little John Tavares was there watching you guys. <laughs> I wonder how old he would have been. Oh, my God, probably like 10, 11. <laughs> well, he was probably playing for the Generals. <laughs> um, he was I, I think Tavares. he was from, no, maybe he was from like Windsor. No, 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 I think he is from that area. He, yeah, he played for the Oshawa Generals. He, he got, um, you know... I, yeah, I can't remember where he's from, but he got this uh, exceptional status, and he was allowed to go into the OHL, um, the Meyer Hockey League, early. Oh, yeah, two, 2008. That makes sense. Yeah, he was on that team because 2009, he was drafted by the Islanders. What the hell was I talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think he, he, was, he was, like, there's only been a handful of players in history who get granted, like, exceptional status. Connor McDavid is one. To get to go from, like, you know, your 12 year, 13 year old team that you're playing on up to the OHL at 14 years old. And John Tavares is one. Um, so he was, I think he was on that generals team for a few years. And then he got, I think he went to London Knights or something like that. But wow, that's, that's crazy. I didn't know that. That's good to know. Yeah. It's just full circle, man. Like <laughs> yeah. obviously Tom and I are Islander fans. So we have our own opinions about JT, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're over yeah. it. We're over it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, so I, I have, uh, you know, one last question for you just in the music realm. So, sure. um, obviously, uh, you know, last year you guys, you know, you put out order and decline, you know, like your, your, your newest record. I think that, what is that? Your seventh, right? Your seventh full length record, I believe. Yeah. yeah seven or eight. Uh, so, seven, something like that. <laughs> so like, I mean, you know, being that like, I, I guess kind of, you know, honestly and truly it's really been, you know, you and Derek have been the the kind of longstanding members of the band. And obviously, you know, I, I know, you know, you had Dave and you had, you know, you know, Steve and, you know, it's kind of been through and through. And I know Dave's back in the band now, but like, um, you know, what has it been like? Like, you know, not to, you know, to draw it out or be long or anything, but I mean, you know, you've been, you know, obviously playing with, with some 41 for over 20 years and, you know, whatever, you know, the, and the, the bands you were in before that, but like, you know, how has the process changed for you over time like obviously you know when you guys were writing music in the late 90s early 2000s i mean you guys were just like you know a bunch of punks from canada just like you know ripping these awesome kind of like you know pop punk medley tunes and stuff and now like obviously i, I you know listening to you guys through your records and in your trajectory you guys have kind of moved away from pop punk a little bit you've got into like a little bit more you know kind of like a hard rock rock and roll like a little bit more aggressive and stuff so like how has your writing style changed over time? And like, what can you attribute to how your music has changed over time? I think uh, for our, 
our band, we've been really good at talking about what's happening to us at the time. Okay. And and like, you know, so when we did All Killer, um, you know, you know, I guess people call it a pop punk record and it was talking much about what we were what we knew at the time and what we knew at the time at 20 years old was high school and mm-hmm. you know, high school relationships with girls and whatever. Sure. So that's all we knew. And then once we, you know, came out with that record, we toured around the world. We got to see other places. Um, more stuff was happening in the world at the time in 2002, you know, with the, you know, the war in Iraq and mm-hmm. um, 9-11 had just happened. So, you know, I think that the lyrical content for Does Look Infected reflected that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for us, like we don't like right now, we can't go back. We're not going to write a record about high school. Because of course, yeah, absolutely. We, so we we and you know a lot of older bands will try and pull that kind of stuff out and try and you know be hip with the kids about what the new memes are and all this other shit. Um, <laughs> we just stick to like what we know at the time and what we what affects us right now. Sure. Um, whether it be political or whatever, anything in our life that um, is affecting us, and I think that's what we've tried to do. Um, and I think. With becoming heavy, we've always liked heavy music. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think with All Killer, we, that's just the style that we were playing at the time. And that's the st- yeah. style we were playing through our high school years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we got a little bit better for Does Look Infected. We just became better musicians. We could play sure. faster, um, all that kind of stuff. And I think yep. throughout the years, we've just gotten better. So I think now up to Order to Climb throughout the years, we just, we've just found this little... Um, you know, style with order and decline and screen bloody murder and 13 voices where it's like just this heavy kind of, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Just heavy, hard rock, punky thing that I think we're just, we're comfortable with right now. We're like that. We, we love playing this kind of style live. And we finally, I think found what we like to do because we've gone through so many styles, you know, like whether it be, you know, you know, ballads always kind of be there. They'll be around in some point. But, you know, we went from Chuck to Underclass Hero. And so that was almost like, you know, going back to that all killer sound, not necessarily the lyrical content, but going back to that sound. But I think we realized that we just would prefer to play heavy music. And uh, it's not always going to be popular and, and you can't please everyone. But I think that's just it makes us happy. It makes us you know, excited to play that style of music. And after all these years, who gives a shit? Like, you guys can do what you guys there want at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we have, you know, we have, we get to still tour, and I think that's good enough for us. And, and people, you know, luckily still come most of the time. <laughs> Absolutely. So, are, are you, uh, like, because, you know, early 2000s, it was you guys and Simple Plan, like, running the pop punk world, like, you know, and and the fact that both of you guys are from Canada is kind of crazy. So are you guys up on some of the new like pop punk and punk bands that are coming out of Canada? Because there's a ton of them right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, somewhat. Uh, I get, you know, whenever we do tours, we get submissions for bands. So you go listen to like a, a bunch of bands that you never heard of and you discover some new stuff. Um, I, I don't really listen to a lot of current, like, you know, modern radio. So I don't really hear. I don't think pop punk or anything's even played on the radio anymore. Um, but uh, you know, and you find I find stuff on Spotify, and you know, our label Hopeless Records they sign a lot of those kind of bands, mm-hmm. so they send us a lot of those kind of bands. Um, but yeah, I don't. I haven't really heard of too much Canadian 
you know, obviously there's a band called Pup. I wouldn't say they're pop punk, but they're a cool. God, I love Pup. Yeah. Yes, sir, dude. So good. Yeah, so good. Yeah. I, yeah, and I wouldn't call them like pop punk, but they're part of the punk rock world. Yeah, um, so for sure, they're, for sure. they're one of the better, better. I don't, and they're not even, they're not necessarily new either, but, um, you know, they're, they're new ish. They're new enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there, there's, there's bands around. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, uh, Pure Noise Records like scooped them all up. So sorry, Hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> no yeah it's yeah. just it's great like you know tom and i are, are getting old now and like you know the the state of the pop punk world i feel like it's back to almost being as good as like the glory days it's it's awesome yeah there is a lot of good stuff i think it does feel like it's uh you know unfortunately for these bands there's there's nothing like what we grew up with like there's no like we were talking about before there's no trl anymore there's yeah, no yeah. you know even modern rock radio there's hardly any stations that'll play rock music like heavy rock music anymore um so you know it's it's tougher for bands but you know also we grew up in a time when there wasn't really youtube so it's it's yeah. kind of a give and take you know where mm-hmm. yeah, I would we our band would have thrived in the youtube world back then because we were doing stuff like that, like making tour videos and posting stuff, but we had to go and get these VHS tapes made physically and hand them out. It shows. I remember having boxes and boxes of VHS tapes for Warp Tour just so we can walk out in the crowd and hand out VHS tapes to people of, of us of eight minutes on it, like just fucking around in our hometown. <laughs> and, and, and we'd have boxes, hundreds of these videos to hand out. And I was just like, when YouTube came along, I'm like, oh, yeah right like <laughs> which that would have been nice that would have been <laughs> saves us a lot of fucking stress and hassle yeah for sure <laughs> awesome but, uh, yeah, yeah that that's funny man like or like the dvds like when dvds became popular like man my back would have thanked me if <laughs> if we could have yeah. got on those and, and just the expense alone you know being you know broke and uh, you know we'd go out and we'd have to you know get these vhs tapes made by a you know manufacturing company and <laughs> it's just ridiculous uh vhs and and, and warp tour r.i.p yeah it'll be back <laughs> i hope so i i, I went will. i went to the last one it was awesome it oh was you oh you're at that uh mountain view uh not so not so they they had their last tour and then they did like four pop-up ones for the 25th anniversary i guess right yeah so yeah. i didn't go to the 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 pop-up ones i went to like the actual like last one but like you said it'll be back so i'm sure like they'll do one for like the 30th anniversary or something like that but i, I think i think i have a i have a feeling they're gonna do the whole tour at some point i think they'll just get back into it yeah you know i mean you know it uh, makes especially sense. after after what we're going through now with like almost like an entire year essentially of like no live music. I think that honestly, once, you know, the world gets back to a place where, where, you know, music can happen safely. I think that everything is going to come back. I think you're going to see, you know, like, like Lollapalooza, like you've never seen it before. I think you're going to see, I mean, they're already shaping up for for riot fest next year to be like, absolutely unbelievable. You know, it's just like, I think it's all going to come back. It's all going to come back in a big way. And I think that, you know, as penance, not only for, you know, listeners, but for musicians themselves, I think it's like, you know, for, for, for everything that happened this year, 
and for what's going to continue to happen this year, once everything gets back to normal, I really think that, you know, music lovers and musicians are going to see just like an unparalleled amount of, of success in the coming years when it finally comes back because so many people are going to be just clamoring to be a part of it again. And I think there's going to be great opportunities and it's the one silver lining that I can really see in all of this, you know, terrible negativity. And I mean, you know, let's call it what it is. I mean, that's really what it is. I mean, it's, this is terrible, horrific, and it's it's awful. And I hate to say it in a way that, you know, tries to marginalize or trivially trivialize it, I should say. And I don't mean to do that, but at the same time, man, like I just know that once, you know, music comes back and there are shows and concerts again, man, it's just going to be, unbelievably special and and I'm, I'm really looking forward to when that happens yeah i agree i think it's gonna explode when it all comes back when it's at what like like you said when it's safe and yep. you know wh- whether it's a vaccine or whatever it's gonna be whenever whenever it's yep. the world's deemed safe of this virus i think it i think it's gonna explode too i think everyone's gonna want to be doing stuff mm-hmm. missed out on so much for uh, you know basically a year or more um when this is all said and done uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully not longer. But, you know, I think people are just going to be itching and they're just going to want to do everything. <laughs> no, man, I absolutely agree. I, I couldn't couldn't agree more. Uh, so on that note, uh, we'll we'll go ahead and, uh, and, and and end it here. So, Cohen, man, it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you, man. Like I said, this is uh, one that's super special for, for me and Mikey, because, I mean, you know, I, I can only speak for myself and say, you know, I wouldn't listen to you know, half of the bands that I listen to today, if it wasn't for, you know, you guys, you know, awesome. ha- having, having music around and, and opening, you know, my, my ears and, and my eyes to, to, you know, the, you know, the other music that were your, your predecessors and, and, you know, what came after you. So awesome. you know, for that, I'm truly, truly indebted. Um, and, uh, hopefully, you know, once, uh, you know, hockey comes back, whether, like I said, we talked about whether they try to start this up and they close it down and maybe next year it's, you know, back with a full season. You know, we'd love to have you back and chat with you a little bit more once we got some real hockey to talk about. You know, it'd yeah, be totally. really awesome, man. But, uh, you know, we, we super appreciate the time you've taken to chat with us. And awesome. uh, we really, really appreciate you, man. We thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thanks. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Anytime. And you we'll uh, definitely you do it again. Your, yeah, please, man. You have a great rest of your night. And have, right. a, have, have, a, have a good one, man. OK, you too. Thanks. Be well. All right. See you guys. See ya.
Tommy, how was that? It's great, man. You know, now every time you call me Tommy, I'm just going to keep thinking about Tommy Lee. <laughs> and Tommy like, Land. Get, and Tommy Land and how Tommy Land, like you can't think, you just have to listen to miserably blaring music while you drink and nobody can talk. And it's just loud, loud ass speakers. And that's like, that's Tommy Land, man. I love it. I had nightmares thinking about Tommy Land. Like, I, I, I would too, man. I just, it's scary. And, you know, when you, you brought up that, um, that like documentary movie that they did. And like, I just remember that like really creepy scene where, uh, Vince Neil gets into that car accident and like, you know, he, he thinks like, you know, his, his buddy from that other band, like in the passenger seat is just like, you know, Oh, Hey man, like we got to get out. And then like, he like opens his eyes and like, dude is just like dead. And it's just like, Oh man. That was, I mean, that was, it was a, it was an awesome little, little, you know, movie, but man, it's just like screwed up, totally screwed up. So what's your but, take on machine gun Kelly? You know, I used to think he was kind of like, I used to not care about him much, but like, he's, he's a pretty talented dude. Um, you know, and some of the stuff he's done with like Travis Barker has been pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm starting to like have more respect for him. Like not quite like on the post Malone train, like post Malone was one of those dudes who like, like at first glance, I was like, Oh, like this is, you know, I'm like this guy, you know, he's like, dirty and gross looking and like, you know, judging a book by its cover and listening to like some of his pop tunes. And I'm like, Oh, this is, this is annoying. But like the more I got to like dig into post Malone, like you could see how super talented he is. Um, you know, and like, he's just super funny. He's, uh, you know, he, he loves his art and he's very passionate about it. And the thing that really won me over was when he did that, that Nirvana live stream. And he did like a whole like 30 song set of all Nirvana songs. Um, and I thought that was like the coolest thing. And now I got like all the love in the world for post Malone and those Bud Light seltzer commercials are just absolutely hilarious. I like, I could watch like them a hundred times where he's just like, he's just talking about mango with a mango. <laughs> Dude, best thing ever. I, I totally am in the same boat. Like huge respect for post malone and kind of crossover he you know before he went on to do his solo stuff do you know that he mm -hmm. auditioned to be the guitarist in that band crown the empire oh i had no idea that's kind of that's that's kind of wild yeah like he he's all into the same music as us and um when i found that out i was like wow he he he's just a multi-dimensional like talent where is he from i think he's from, from syracuse maybe he's a sabers fan uh, i don't know it's possible i don't, know, I don't think we're getting post malone on here dude sorry to burst dude, your bubble <laughs> I'm, look listen man i mean 65 episodes ago you would have thought we would have gotten cone from some 41 on the show that's true but not even a little bit, bro. So, <laughs> I, you know, never, never say die, man. Who knows? You know, sometimes all it takes is that that one spark, you know, a tiny spark to set it off. That's For a four sure. year strong song. And, and speaking of which, if you're out there listening, anyone in four years strong, Alan, come on the podcast. And let's talk about hockey. JJR. <laughs> JJR. Let's get let's go. Let's get it going. But anyways. So, um, yeah, man. Um, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy, man. Like, you know, so 
having the opportunity to, <clears throat> excuse me, just, you know, chat with Cohen and you'll hear it, you know, obviously you heard it in our interview, but it's just like, you know, this guy has been making music for 20 plus years. You know, they've got seven studio albums, you know, a bunch of which are certified gold. I think some are even platinum. It's just like, you know, the, the career that this guy's had, but he's still just like such a, a easy to talk to, easy to engage down to earth, dude. It's just like, it's so cool that, you know, alternative music and like punk music, it, it, like it seems not to ruin people. You know, it seems not to like make them assholes. So, you know, I think that, um, I think our, our, our side gig is pretty cool, man. And I just love when like bands are able to have huge success and stay true to who they are. Like no one can say that some 41 are sellouts. No one can say that simple plan are sellouts. Like yep. they, they've been the same bands like they obviously they've progressed and got way better from when they started but you know they are still some 41 like you listen to their newer stuff and it sounds like a some 41 song like it's got a little faster and a little more aggressive but you could clearly tell it's a some 41 song and i respect the shit out of that i just it, it just it's hard for me to get over that like we spoke to like one of the dudes who like wrote like fat lip and like in too deep and like all these songs that like literally got played like ad nauseum like over and over again on like much music and fuse and mtv and like you know just like it just it's crazy to me and, and it's cool that like this is something that we get to do i don't know that's all i gotta say you, about you know that, they're man. you know they're huge when our friend brett total theater nerd was like oh i know them <laughs> like that's the that's that's when you know you've made it like when brett brett knows that sorry like, they're brett. legit didn't mean to didn't mean to blow you up man if we ever get someone from the cast of hamilton on <laughs> we'll make sure that i'll i'll sit that interview out and you can you could come on and do it for sure <laughs> speaking of which um they're doing like a stream on disney plus mm-hmm. which is pretty wild, like with the actual Broadway cast. Which... Yep, yep. Lin Manuel Miranda, Lin Manuel Miranda, rather, was talking about it. He was talking about how to get it on Disney, they had to like tone down some of the language because obviously, if you've seen Hamilton, you know there's you know a couple of you know a couple of curse words in there, but apparently they you know his whole deal was they wanted to keep it as close you know lyrically and thematically to the original and i think disney even let them keep in like one one or two whole f words like f words which like you know imagine disney like well literally like insane let let me step in here real quick um do you know that tom hanks movie where he like falls in love with that mermaid oh yeah uh splash castaway no sure splash <laughs> no i don't know that movie but it's, okay it's from the 80s and yeah. caitlin and i came across it on disney plus and we we're like all right let's watch it and whoever put it on disney plus definitely didn't do their research and like didn't bother to like sit down and watch it themselves because there's just straight up boobs in it just boobs yeah well another crazy thing you know obviously not to talk about this constantly but uh something that disney is doing which is a long time coming 
you know, because obviously they, 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 I guess Disney tries to have their finger on the pulse with a lot of this stuff, but sometimes, you know, they really don't do great at it, but they finally announced that they're going to completely retheme Splash Mountain. Because obviously, if you know Splash Mountain, you know it's based on Song of the South, which is like the most racist thing that like Disney still pays homage to. And I think finally in, in this climate, they realize like this has got to go, man. This can't be representative of what we're about because I mean, like, even though like, you know, it's, you know, the ride itself is just, you know, all animatronic and weird as it is, but just song, the whole song of the South thing, man, has got to go. So I'm, you know, good on Disney for finally realizing that even though it took them a long ass time, but finally really realizing that, you know, that can't stick around, but Disney's a weird anomaly, man. You know, they obviously, you know, they were making cartoons and doing all this stuff in the, you know, forties and fifties where, you know, unfortunately racism was still rampant and, you know, it was a sign of the times and, you know, a lot of people say a lot about Walt Disney, you know, not, I'm not going to sit here and get into it all, you know, the anti-Semitism and, and whatnot, but all I could say is, um, you know, the company is making strides now, which is a good thing. So we just have to hope that, you know, anyone else out there is following suit and realizing, you know, the right way to go is to just anything that is racist and anything that is oppressive, just get it the fuck out of here. And they're going to rebrand it uh, after the princess and the frog, right? Yep. Yep. All right, cool. And can we start a petition to get a, a small world after all, like, rebranded too because that ride oh, is creepy as hell too that ride is creepy and it's like i feel like if you've gone on that ride once you really don't need to go on that ride like again like no. you had your experience of it i just i could do without it man i really could what i would love to see what i'd really love to see is um you know maybe like we can just petition them to like change it to small world after all to like some sort of weird like hockey tribute like just hockey through the world and you just go just, on a boat ride. Just and Mighty you look Ducks. At, like, look at a picture of Gordie Howe and then a picture of Wayne Gretzky and then a picture of Goldberg the goalie. Get in Emilio Estevez's limousine and just like spin out on ice. Listen, man, you, you're barking up the right tree, man. I think you got a, got a pen, a letter, a letter, a letter to the Disney Corporation and, and get this on, on paper, man. Let's do it. All right. That's enough <laughs> rambling for me. We are ridiculous. No one is listening anymore. And the song I picked out at the end is so good that I don't want it to go to waste. What song is it? Do you want to tell me what it is? Or do you want me to just have to find out on my own? So, you know, I, I kind of stuck with the Canadian theme. Okay. And, you know, I asked Cone about, you know, some up and coming, you know, punk and pop punk bands from Canada, especially since like the scene is just killing it right now. So, as you can probably guess, I went with the new Like Pacific song. Okay. And it's just so good. Like, they do fast pop punk so well. I just love it so much. Listen, man, one last thing I'll say. I mean, you know, if you want to do Like Pacific, that's fine. But just remember, you know, Cohen likes pup. So, you know, you, you know, I love pup. Well, we'll just have to get another Canadian band on so we can do that because <laughs> I'm not I'm not changing it. I, I put oh, my foot down. Right. Whatever. Anyways, hey, dude, all y'all out there, thanks for listening. As always, it was such a blast to have Cone from Sum 41 on. We got to actually talk to someone that was in Sum 41. How crazy is that? Dude literally like was in the backing band for Iggy Pop. 
that's crazy to me. So crazy. Such a blast to chat with him. And hey, we're stoked that you're still with us. We got a bunch of cool episodes coming up. You know we're not going to leave you hanging. So go to bardownbreakdown.com. You got all our archived episodes there. Uh, Mikey has been painstakingly uh, updating our Instagram to make it more user-friendly. So we've got uh, some awesome links and slideshows to show you how exactly you can listen to us and how you can follow us and you know where you can get all of your updated news and how you can interact with our awesome playlists that we're updating all the time. So don't hesitate, man. Get with us. Get on board. Get uh, get cracking, man. That's what we want you to do. Uh, visit us on Twitter and Instagram. We got at BDBD Podcast at Bar Down Breakdown as usual. We're all over the place, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. I mean, you can find us literally anywhere podcasts are. And, uh, you know, we're just we're just your your local hockey music podcast, just, you know, trying to trying to rule the world, you know, one one episode at a time. So we appreciate all of your feedback. We appreciate all the listens and uh, we'd love to hear from you, you know, to hear who you'd want us to talk to and what kind of stuff you want us to talk about. And, you know, that's all I got. So. On that note, everybody uh, have a have a pleasant slumber, uh, and uh, you know if we don't talk to you before, have a safe and healthy Fourth of July. And just remember, very important that you remember that Independence Day. Of course, we are celebrating our independence from the tyranny of the English, and very important that you not forget about the tyranny and oppression that has gone on these past couple of months. Make sure you put that into perspective when you are celebrating and do not forget that black lives matter. Well said, Tom. And this episode will come out before the 4th of July, so I hope that you do enjoy time with your family and um, be careful. Remember that there's lots of veterans who are home suffering from PTSD. Absolutely. Shooting off fireworks, you know, sometimes triggers some bad memories. So, you know, just be just be mindful of that before you start lighting anything off. Be cognizant of your fellow man. And like I said, very important. Just don't forget, you know, in all the hoopla of all the drinking and partying and celebrating, just do not forget where we've been the past couple of months and just always keep it in perspective and just understand that at a con- as a country, we've got a lot of work to do. I'm not telling you not to celebrate you know, our independence and I'm not telling you to not have love for your country, but just understand that this country can be better and we can make it better. All right. Well, Tom, it's been real. Peace be with you. And also with you.